reading your funny message. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to His Simple Truths Podcast. My name is Greg Mullins. And I'm Dyson Thompson. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Just so you know, we tried to start this once, but uh, Tyson was distracted, so we had to start over. <laughs> call that a synapse misfire. <laughs> I was actually reading a very funny text message. Uh, from Greg and like I forgot that we were starting the podcast so he's over there talking and I'm just like looking at my phone and all of a sudden he's like uh you here <laughs> so here I am we should have just let it roll should've and just, just explain it that's all right people know now uh, oh man that was a perfect example of of squirrel <laughs> it's the world Greg lives in with dealing with me and he loves every second of it every second of it keeping it real all right, so today's podcast is podcast number 32, and the title of it is Endure It Well. So in the past couple podcasts that we've shared, we've talked a lot about standing up and getting in the fight and owning your truth and um, getting out there and doing the things the Lord's asked you to do. And the report back, both from other people and to us personally, or the experience has been that um, the adversary is not too happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to be in a place where so much targeted anger, right, is, like, coming at us. And and it's cool to not be in a place where, like, I get flustered about it or scared or startled or rattled, right? But <clears throat> at the same time, it's like, wow, like... We stirred up a hornet's nest. I'm not even sure what part of us stirred up the hornet's nest, right? I think it's just like whatever, something. Whatever it is, I can I can tell you that the adversary is on full contact assault at this moment. <laughs> I can't I can't imagine being President Nelson when he steps up in conference and says stuff. Right. I wonder. I guarantee people around him get wrecked, and he probably gets beat up a little bit too. You know, yeah. for sure. Like. So I think it's an eternal principle. It's been astounding, the false accusations that have come, the um, direct assault on family members, like, and unrighteous dominion that people are experiencing. It just goes on and on and on, which to me is an absolute witness that we are pursuing the course the Lord would have us do. If there was not the opposition... If there was no opposition, and we're going to go into this throughout this podcast, then we're probably not moving in the right direction. Yeah. When people are breathing out threatenings, that's a scriptural term, against you, uh, you have to take, it takes you a second, right? Because you got to step back and go, okay, that was a very threatening thing. I don't think that came from God. <laughs> like, I don't think they're speaking on God's behalf. Yeah. In fact, these some of these people threatening, making threats kind of are elevating themselves above God because yeah. if God wanted Greg and I completely done doing what we're doing, right? He, he would just tell us and we'd stop. <laughs> right. Or he would take us off the earth or, you know, whatever. But instead we just have people that are angry and acting in anger. Yeah. And it, it's, it's interesting. Like it's, and it's not just against us. It's against a lot of, of the people that we're hearing the hearing it come back from. Um, that they're stepping up into their mission and and they're being punished by people within the church, actually, and some of them leaders who don't like what they are doing. It's the whole crab in the bucket principle that 
I talked about way back in podcast number one, put a whole bunch of crabs in the bucket. One tries to get up out of the bucket. The rest of them grab him and pull him back in. Mm-hmm. Like they don't want to see someone stepping outside of what they know. Cause that may mean they have to do something different and, yeah. and it's hard and people don't want to have to step outside of the box And here's the other thing I wanted you to hear, because every time Greg and I mention this on a podcast, I love the souls of people who come to us, but they're like, who is it? What are they doing? Put them up. Let's get in a fight. Right. And I'm like, no, look, really, that's not where Gregor and I are at. Like we look at that understanding where they are. I'm going to reference Jacob's ladder, understanding what law that they're, that people that are fearful that are attacking us or attacking other people who are acting uh, on what they know they should be doing. I understand why they're doing what they're doing. And I don't have a desire to fight them. I mean, Christ, he actually kind of went out of his way a lot of times to avoid at least, um, you know, very, very elongated um, violence or or argument with people. Usually tied people up pretty quickly into their own paradigm and then sent them on their way to stew on what they'd just been told. But, and he did things to agitate people But he wasn't doing it for the purpose, again, of agitating people. The reason people are agitated with Greg and I or with other people that we know of that are stepping up into their truth and their missions and operating in them is because they're being they're being afflicted by demons and devils and unclean spirits that are making them feel certain. Well, yeah, kind of like coercing them and making them feel the certain ways that they are feeling. And the reason that the people that are stepping into their truth or into their mission are being attacked is because the law of opposition is at work. So again, when the law of opposition is at work and we see these things shifting, it should, our answer should be, it is good, right? Like it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So multiple times over the last couple of weeks, DNC 121 has come to me from different people, from the Lord himself. Um, just keeps coming to me over and over again. So we're going to start out this podcast with just a couple verses out of DNC 121. So this is when Joseph and Hiram and um, I can't remember who else was with them. They were in Liberty Jail and Joseph was just done. He's getting all the reports back of the people that are getting wrecked. Um, and by this point, Joseph knew who he was. He knew that he had the power to break down those prison walls and walk out unscathed. He knew that he had the power to go out and defy those armies that were coming against the saints. And he laments and he cries out to the Lord, how long, how long will you suffer this? And this is the Lord's response to Joseph. My son, peace, peace be unto thy soul. Thine adversity and thine affliction shall be but a small moment. And then, if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high. Thou shalt triumph over all thy foes. (laughs) Just thinking about that, to sit there and know what was happening. His wife, Hiram's wife, they were part of this persecution, his kids. And he knew he had power to deliver them, but the Lord asked him to sit down and just be patient. Yeah. Sit in your prison cell for a while longer and... Endure it well. Yeah. And endure it well, which we talked about. The principle of endurance. 
I always used to think when people would say endure to the end or even endure it well, it's like, well, hunker down and don't completely freak out, but like just kind of hide and wait and just like eke it out. And that's not enduring. I think of my son learning this year, he, he ran cross country and that's an endurance sport. And rather than like barely limp into the finish, he learned the, um, the power of having a kick at the end, right? Like actually increasing your speed at the very end of a race. Um, and that's where we all should be. We should be, we should have endured <clears throat> taking a beating. Maybe we had to hide a few times earlier in our lives, but we're not in the stage anymore in the space of time and the world scenario and where things are of, of hunkering down anymore. This is the space where we actually start moving faster towards our mission. Enduring well means to go through the trial and learn the lesson from it, not just crawl under a blanket and cry as you get smashed. <laughs> Joseph said this, endurance is an important principle found within the doctrine of Jesus Christ. It is important because the quality of our eternal future is proportional to our ability to endure in righteousness. Let me read that again. It is important because the quality of our eternal future is proportional to our ability to endure in righteousness. The prophet over our prophet, President Nelson, over and over again, he's traveling all over the world and he's telling people to prepare for persecution, to be ready for it, to embrace it, to learn from it, to recognize that that resistance that we're about to face is what's going to give us the strength to push through to the terrestrial level. The resistance has to be equal to the what you're trying to achieve. So you go work out in the gym and you lift five pound weights for 20 years, you're not getting anywhere. You have to continually add weight to get proportionally where you want it to be. And that's the same thing with our trials. You want the further light and knowledge that's being offered, you better be ready for the trials that are coming, the persecution that's coming, because the resistance has to be proportional to what you're asking God to give you. You want access to the fullness of blessings and the fullness of the priesthood and the fullness of of godhood we have to step into the fullness of agency and here's a verse and the messiah cometh in the fullness of time that he may redeem the children of men from the fall and because they are redeemed from the fall they have become forever become free forever knowing good from evil to act for themselves and not be acted upon this is President Maxwell. He says, God has repeatedly said that he would structure mortality to be a proving and a testing experience. Brothers and sisters, he has certainly kept his promise. He has carried out his divine intent, hasn't he? Thus, even our fiery trials, said Peter, should not be thought of as a some strange thing. Hence, enduring is vital, and those who last will be first spiritually. Hence, enduring is vital, and those who last will be first spiritually. Brings a whole new meaning to me of the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Right? Yep. Those who can stand in the fiery furnace and not cry out, this is some strange thing, I shouldn't be feeling this, but recognize that we are called to walk through those trials that don't make any sense, that... Um, scare us that 
causes concern, but knowing and recognizing that that's part of our mortal probation. Paul observed, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth peaceable fruit of righteousness. Such peaceable fruit comes only in the appointed season thereof, after the blossoms and the buds. So let me just translate that into plainer English because Paul, for some reason, likes to talk, <laughs> talk in a way that's confusing. Basically said, get in a trial, being chastened sucks. <laughs> it's not fun. But after it's over, it's going to yield fruit. But that fruit can only come after the blossoms and the buds, meaning there's a period that you have to go through of growth. Think about fruit on a fruit tree. Those blossoms, the buds come first, then the blossoms, then the fruit matures and grows. It's a process that we go through and we have to be willing to stand in that trial and endure it well so that we can receive the fruit. Just thought of this picture, right? Maybe it's because I've watched too much VeggieTales with my kids, but I see this little seed and the Lord's hand holding the seed in his hand. What little seed ever sat in the, in the hand of the, of the master and said, no, don't send me. Don't plant me, please. Don't plant me. None, right? You're the seed of God on the earth right now, and he wants you to ascend to Godhood. And you're down here as the seed screaming, no, don't plant me. I don't want to grow into what I'm supposed to be. I don't want to feel the measure of my creation. No, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> I right? want to be buried in the dirt. It's dark. It's scary <laughs> Cold. <down> there. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's the trials. Like the, the environment, that's a perfect example of sticking that seed in the soil, of covering it with soil and darkness, and then of having that like watered and the right environment happen in the soil is what causes that seed to sprout and to reach for the surface. All the energy stored in that little seed is, is what it needs in order to come forth, break through, get to, get to the nurturing sunlight, and then also for it to grow roots and everything is in, inside of it. That's, yeah. that's, there's a reason why God, why the Lord, when he was on the earth, um, helped us to understand parables like that. Yeah. This is President Maxwell goes right along with it. He says, otherwise, if certain mortal experiences were cut short, it would be like pulling up a flower to see how the roots are doing. <laughs> Check the daisies. <laughs> Put in another way, too many anxious openings of the oven door and the cake falls instead of rising. Moreover, enforced change usually does not last, while productive enduring can ingrain permanent change. So here's the difference between Satan's program and the Lord's program. Satan was going to force the change. I'll save them all. They'll do what I tell them to do. That is not the Lord's program. You don't make it just by doing what you're told to be do by some outside force. You have to go through the fiery trial yourself. You have to experience it. You Got can't it. just read in the Book of Mormon about all of these people. Go through every scripture story and tell me which one of them didn't face a trial. <laughs> That's why they're the noble and great ones, folks, because guess what? They went through noble and great challenges. Is there a single story in the scriptures 
that it wasn't somebody going through a trial? I can't think of one. <laughs> it wouldn't be a story. Right? Be like, uh, Joseph Smith was born. He he restored the gospel. Everyone loved it and accepted it. The end. Even big hugs. <laughs> right. <laughs> hugs and kisses for Joseph. Like, if you just think about that, if you believe the Book of Mormon is true, and it's the path, it's what leads us back. I sat through priesthood meeting yesterday, and they they talked about handing out Book of Mormon books of Mormon to people, because that was the path that was going to lead them back. Like, if you really believe those verses, you will be asked to do the same things that they were asked to do in order for you to obtain what they obtained. We're going to go through the same trials. You're going to be persecuted for stepping up and standing out. You're going to because that's the program. The adversary doesn't want you to step up. He wants you to sit back in your pew and have a, a lovely sacrament meeting where 50% of the congregation went to sleep. Yeah. Wasn't even paying attention. Like, How many times recently, too, have we had friends that have come to us and admit, uh, I'm getting wrecked right now? And we're like, okay, why? And they're like, um, I know why. You don't have to lecture me. It's because I'm not doing something the Lord told me not to. And why aren't they doing it? Because they're afraid of what it will mean to throw in and support somebody who, you know, who is going against the grain of tradition or to say things out loud in meetings at church that go against the grain of conversation or to, or to, to act in a way that they're, they feel they need to, and they're afraid they're going to be called in by their leaders and chastised or, 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 or like go down the list. And what do you have to be afraid of? If Jesus Christ, whose church this is, has given you a clean and clear mission and you start to act in it and somebody takes a offense to that or calls you in and thinks they have the authority to take away your temple recommend or take away your membership in the church based on what you're acting on. Are you afraid, more afraid of that person than you are of the Lord whose church it is and who's guiding you? And just to add to that, if you're acting under the spirit on something you feel like you're supposed to be doing and maybe you do it a little bit wrong, it's better for you to do it a little bit wrong than it is to not do it at all. Yeah. Because the other thing that we hear a lot about is people will come and say, I'm not getting anything from the Lord. It's like radio silence. Yeah. Like Richard, nothing's happened. Richard G. Scott said, if you're not getting anything, he probably already answered. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the answer every time. I'll always direct people back and say, what did he tell you to do that you were either too scared to do or you didn't understand it, so you shelved it? Like something's there that you already have been told that you backed off from. And now you're like, but Lord, give me more. And he's like, I already gave you that. Go figure that out. And you're like, but that's scary. Give me something else. Right. <laughs> he's like, that's why you're on the earth. And you're like, well, yeah, well, help me get there. And he's like, you're there. It's right there. Go do it. <laughs> you're like, but that's going to hurt. And he's like, yeah, it will. It's That mission <laughs> is scary. I'm scared. <laughs> uh, it's so true. This is President Faust. He said, trials and adversity can be preparatory to be born becoming born anew. A rebirth out of spiritual adversity causes us to become new creatures. From the book of Mosiah, we learn that all mankind must be born again, born of God, 
changed, redeemed, and uplifted to become sons and daughters of God. Trials and adversity can be preparatory to becoming born anew. It's been my experience, and I know Tyson's experience, and many people that we've mentored and talked to, that before growth happens, there's always a trial. There's always something that kicks you in the teeth and makes you want to go find the blanket and get in a corner somewhere and just cry it out. Because One day, recently, within 10 minutes, Greg calls and tells me some bad news, which normally... I mean, what can be considered to be bad news? Normally that stuff doesn't really cause me to flinch, but for whatever reason, I was like not doing great that morning. Then I'm getting his ladder to bring back to him. I drop it on my foot. And then um, I go to take care of some chickens for our neighbors and I get attacked by a rooster, like within 10 minutes. And I'm like angry, right? Which hasn't happened to that level in a long time. I totally had to cast out. There was a demon that wanted attached again. And I was like, what just happened? And the Lord was like, pre-illumination affliction, right? And I was like, okay, so what's supposed to be illuminating about this? I get back to the house. I'm limping along. I hadn't decided if I was going to share this or not, but I'm totally going to share it. So I get to the house. I sit down with my wife at the table. She had breakfast there, and and I start eating my breakfast. And I look at her, and I'm like, so this just happened. And I said, can you help heal my foot? Like I just ask her and I take my sock off and I'm telling you there was a golf ball, half a golf ball sized, almost uh, hematoma, like underneath of my skin. Like I dropped a hundred pound ladder on my foot and she has some oils that she uses and she put some of those on them and then she just placed her hand and this is the second time she's healed this same foot in the same manner. She just put her hand over it. And I don't know, I haven't even asked her what she was doing. Uh, I'm guessing that she was praying. Um, But by night, that night, that hematoma on my foot was gone and it never bruised. Normally, if you get a bruise like that on the top of of any part of your body, it's going to be, it's going to turn purple. It's going to, you know, it's going to be a mess. Nothing. And no residual pain after the first day. Gone. Now, I am not going to sit here and try to convince you of anything. You go to the Lord and ask the Lord what happened. But because I had that experience, I went to her and she got to be, and she wept. She was so grateful that I'd asked her for her faith in helping to heal me. And I was healed. You can say that's hokey. Uh, probably I, this could lead to me standing in front of somebody and, and answering the mail for it. I don't care. Brothers and sisters, I testify to you in the name of Jesus Christ that power is on the earth and God wants to use his power through you for amazing experiences like that. The other time I will tell you was I was in, we were in Missouri for a conference. I was walking. I smacked my foot really hard. Stacy didn't even know. She was sitting next to me. We were in a meeting. She reaches up and my foot is hurting. It's got the same bump on it. This is probably about eight weeks, 10 weeks before. And she just reaches up and puts her hand on my foot. And I start to like almost flinch a little bit like, oh, be careful. She doesn't know that I've just hit my foot. And all of a sudden she starts moving her hand around on my foot. And then heat starts pouring into my foot. And I'm like, what's happening? And then 
I feel the pain subside. And by the end of that evening, it was gone. And I asked her afterwards, did you know? And she said, I just sensed that there was something wrong with your foot. And I didn't even plan on sharing that today. And I'm not casting that out there for any other reason than to show you that here is a divine sister who knows part of her mission and has embraced it. And it's a miracle, like a literal miracle in my life that I'm not afraid or ashamed to stand in front of the world and say has happened to me because she's embraced who she is. This next period as more and more is restored to the earth, people are going to have to make a choice of where they stand. You can listen to that story. You can say, that's great. She had faith and prayed, healed his foot. Or you can say she operated in her priesthood and made that happen. Or you can say it wasn't that bad and his bruise just went away because it wasn't that bad. Like, that's your choice. You get to choose. (laughs) Or if you're listening for the complete wrong reason, you're entrenched right now and you're like, they just said that his wife used her priesthood. Okay, that's your choice. The the whole purpose of anything that happens in this earth, which is where Greg is going, is choice. Yeah. As you step into your mission, other people, and you embrace it, and then you bear testimony about your mission, or you do whatever is associated with your mission... People may act in opposition to that, but people are getting an opportunity to choose. It's going to facilitate agency, which is what the whole plan is about. That's right. And I think it's really important to understand that we try and fit all truth into a box. Like, like truth is absolute. This is the way it is, period. It's been my experience that that is not how it works. So, for example, if I'm... If I'm born in a family and I'm abused sexually and, and, you know, my parents are druggies and they teach me certain paradigms and principles based upon what they know. And then there's another individual who's born and raised in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and their parents are amazing and they say their prayers and read their scriptures every day. And, and all of a sudden the truth gets presented to each of these two persons separately the person who went through the first person who went through the persecution may take that truth and interpret it a certain way and then go to the Lord and say, Lord, is this true? And the Lord confirms that that is true for him. And then the other person who was raised differently goes to the Lord with the same truth received, but interpreted differently for him based on his paradigms and goes to the Lord and said, is this true? And the Lord says, yes, that's true. And those two truths may seem like they're in opposition to each other, but they are still absolute truths for those two people. See, the Lord has to teach us based upon how we understand things. And here's an example of that. When the Savior was on the earth, he healed a couple different blind people. One of the blind people that he healed, he stopped, spit in the dirt, created clay, rubbed it on his eyes, and had him wash it. And then he received his sight. Another individual, he just walked up and healed him, told him to receive his sight. The first individual needed that physical experience to receive his sight back, needed to go through that experience. The second one was ready. So if you were to try and put that in a box and say, okay, to heal somebody who's blind, you got to make clay and spittle and rub it on their eyes. 
Or you could say, nope, that's not true. You just give them their sight back. There's two opposing truths there, but they're not opposing. They're the same truth presented in a different way so that those two individuals could be taught the way they needed to be taught. Right now, we're spending way too much time trying to say that person's right and that person's wrong based upon the way we received our truth. If you would stop and look at the other individual and what their paradigms are and where they're coming from and what their background is and recognize that it's okay if they say something that sounds really weird to you based upon how they learned. So another example would be a sister who uses energy work, energy healing. So much opposition about that right now. And now we have the prophet talking to you sisters about learning how to operate within your priesthood. For some sisters, they don't need to go through an energy modality to heal somebody. They, their brain works in a matter of faith where that's, they just exercise faith. That's honestly why I, even if I ask Stacy, which I may go home and ask her today, since I put this out there publicly, what it was that was going on with her. I don't even think she can describe it because she was just acting. She was just doing what she knew she needed to. It wasn't this like over cranial process where she was just thinking her way through it. She was just doing it. But if somebody needs that experience, they need to have a modality to go through and help them to change their energy and, and raise the vibrational energy of the other person to a higher order so that it can come back into order and be healed. That's okay for them. Another example would be Joseph with the seer stone. When he first started receiving revelation, he had a rock that he looked at that gave him revelation that he read words on. Later on down the road, he didn't need that anymore. He was able to receive that without the seer stone. So what's truth? Do you receive truth with a seer stone or you don't? Well, they're both true based upon the paradigm of where Joseph was at the time. Do you need an energy modality or do you not? Is one true and one false? No. So maybe the energy pair, maybe the modalities training wills to get somebody to where they can operate in the fullness of their priesthood. And that's okay. We got to stop judging each other based upon what we think is true and what is not. Because what somebody else has received that doesn't seem like it's true to you could be tr- tr- absolute truth to them that the Lord's using to teach them what you know already. Right. Uh, Elder Maxwell in, you know, in a talk a while ago said, we believe as Latter-day Saints that all truth can be circumscribed into the greater whole or, and where have we heard that phrase? All truth can be circumscribed into the greater whole. What does that mean? That means that regardless of the way that the Lord teaches somebody else, the truths and and as they learn them, right? The truths that individuals learn as they learn them are truth. And that they can all of that truth can be circumscribed or put into the greater whole of truth in the universe. I love reading I've been reading some nat- some Native American things recently and understanding uh, different signs and ways that they interpreted the world around them. And it's tr- it's got truth in it. Mm-hmm. There's truth in, in all in all things in the earth. And we we get fearful when it's outside of the box. One thing that has happened to me, I said it to Greg on my way here. I've seen two eagles today. I've probably seen twenty or thirty bald eagle bald eagles in the last 
probably week. And I finally was like, you know what? I'm going to look on a Native American totem and see what the symbology is of an eagle. And it is an independent species that embody truth and, and integrity and fidelity and freedom and justice. Like there's so many things that, and so I asked the Lord, like, okay, I keep seeing eagles. And then I'm reminded of scriptures in Joshua and it pulls me into, you know, to, uh, truth in the Bible that have to do with eagles. And I'm like, Oh, and I'm seeing those as signs and those signs are all around us all the time. I'm not saying you have to go be a Hindu or, or change your religion. You need to be willing though, to receive truth from wherever truth comes from. That's why the Lord said to seek ye wisdom out of the best books, right? Like learn truth from wherever truth is available. Joseph Smith said that, that Mormons don't have the corner on all truth that more truth can be discovered by opening up our aperture and realizing that truth is available in many places, not just in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as tradition and culture has taught us. And, and you don't have to go accept the way other people receive truth. Like, just allow it to be. Let it be in that space. And I just want to make this very clear that for me, just a few years ago, I was the person judging people based upon not believing it the way I believing believed it, feeling like they didn't have it right. And I've had to do a lot of processing and a lot of repenting to get myself to a place where I can now look at anybody's truth and allow them to have that. And then I just ask the Lord, do you want me to help them? Do you want me to change their paradigm and help them see it the way I see it. And sometimes he says yes, and a lot of times he says no, I've got them. I'm teaching them the way that they know how to be taught. Yeah, the way that they learn. So a little bit of a tangent there, but I think that's an important principle to understand moving forward. Well, then I, I think just real quickly to kind of summarize how I'm feeling about it, we don't get stuck in, here's the thing, you get a new truth revealed to you, and in not too long, You'll either receive counter truth to that and the law of opposition so that you can really get entrenched in that truth and, and not entrenched in it, but you can really accept and, and own that truth. Or you'll get truth. You, somebody will present the same idea to you in a different way. Second and you, witness. A second witness. And a lot of times I'm seeing people reject the second witness because they're like, well, that's not how I received it. And then they entrench themselves in this fight that isn't even necessary because the Lord was actually giving them a second witness, not providing them opposition. Yeah. hundred percent. So just, just something to be aware of. And that's all part of enduring it well. Enduring doesn't mean you you pause when you receive something that appears to be in opposition and sit there and wrestle with it and fight with it. You just, you, you take it and you keep moving. Yeah. Hold space for it. Let it be what it is and move forward with your truth and let the Lord give you more witnesses of that thing. This is from president Maxwell. Again, he said, patient endurance is to be distinguished from merely being acted upon. Endurance is more than pacing up and down within the cell of our circumstance. It is not only acceptance of things allotted to us, it is to act for ourselves by magnifying what is allotted to us. 
you've received truth, what are you doing with it? You have to magnify what you've been allotted if you want to receive more. You can't just sit back and be acted upon, meaning, you know, someone comes into opposition against you. They're like, you're not supposed to say that. You're not supposed to do that. Even though you received the truth from the Lord, if you just sit back and be acted upon, you are not enduring it well. You're just embracing the suck. Right. And that's not the Lord's program. If you want righteousness to be added upon you, you have to act upon what you have been given by the Lord and move forward with it. And that can be in the form of blessings. That can be in the form of energy. That can be in the form of love. That is the law of consecration. Like the law of consecration is that we give all of our time, talents, energies, and everything that we possess to the building of the kingdom of God on the earth and the establishment of Zion. If we're holding on to that for fear or scarcity or someone else didn't deserve it, I received it, they need to earn their own or whatever, then you're not acting on the truth that you've been given and we know what happens when you don't. It's taken away. That's right. This is, again, um, Maxwell. Our ability to endure to the end in righteousness will be in direct proportion to the strength of our testimony and the depth of our conversion. So we hear a lot about bearing our testimonies. Right? We, go to, we go to a fast testimony meeting and we bear our testimony. As I read that quote the other day and I started thinking about it, the word bear popped out into my mind. And there's two ways to bear it, like bear it as in speak it, and then there's bear as in carry it. And that, for some reason, came into my mind. I thought about what it means to carry your testimony. How do you walk with your testimony? How do you use it, right? Is it so heavy, what you know and believe? Is it so heavy that you let it keep you down? Or do you stand up and let the Lord help you bear that burden and go forward with faith and then speak the other bear, bear that testimony, get it out there and, and use it to build the kingdom like we just talked about. And leverage his light and love as you do it to magnify it. Your, your ability to endure to the end in righteousness will be in direct proportion to the strength of our testimony and the depth of our conversion. So the whole reason for opposition to come upon us is to test the strength, to test the depth of our conversion, to see where we truly stand, to be tested in all things. Joseph said, a religion that does not require the sacrifice of all things does not have power, power sufficient. sufficient to... Um, raise man unto life and exaltation or yeah. salvation. Right. Yeah. The sacrifice of all things, that means your comfort. That means maybe a friend making fun of you. That means... Friends leaving you. Friends leaving you. That means Christ. Yeah, I watch myself... Greg and I are no exception to this. As we've proceeded with this mission, certain people who are fearful about what we're doing that don't want to be associated with us are not our friends anymore. And I question the Lord about that. I'm like, 
okay, like what's going on with that Lord? And I had a very, very direct answer given to me in my mind. And I heard him say, even I had to leave Galilee or even I had to leave, um, Nazareth. And I was like, Oh, so true. Here Christ was, grew up in an area. Now, obviously he had to go out into the world to do his mission, but there were people and some of the worst opposition for him came from there. There were people entrenched in watching him begin to develop his mission and then do his mission who he grew up with. I wanted to share this, this last piece because this was so huge for me. So I, we've talked about this a hundred times. I'm the spreadsheet guy. I'm the, let's figure this out. Like I need to have the steps in front of me. I need to have um, an understanding of the different plans that I've set in place and what they're going to produce. And I need to know what's going to happen before I move forward. That's been my mentality for many, many years. Oh, I'm like, the, hey, this looks fun. Whee! <laughs> I'm the game. I'm the guy that plays the strategy games where you sit and think ten steps ahead of everybody else. <clears throat> and there are benefits to both of our personality types, right? I can stop Tyson from jumping off a cliff that he doesn't see sometimes, and he can drag me out of the quagmire when I'm stuck because I took too long to think about how to get out of the mud. So there's benefits to both, but as we move forward with what's happening on the planet right now, we are going to understand less and less how to do things. And that's been a frustrating point for me. Like, I don't see how this is supposed to work, Lord. I don't understand this. Like, you want me to mentor people about different things and I don't even understand how it works. How am I supposed to do that? How, 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 right? Then the other day, somebody posts this simple meme on Facebook and it says, instead of saying, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this, say instead, Lord, I can't wait to see how you do this. Instead of saying, Lord, I don't know how to do this, how I'm going to do this, say instead, Lord, I can't wait to see how you do this. As I read those words, the Spirit washed over me and just witnessed to me that this was a paradigm shift that I needed to make, that we are done with the, like, the things that happened from here out, we're transitioning into a terrestrial world. We're outside of the box already. The prophet is pushing us outside of the box and asking us to go directly to the Lord and receive. And Brigham Young said it this way. All we have yet heard and have received and experienced is scarcely the preface to the sermon that is going to be preached. Awesome. <laughs> That's pretty direct from a guy who spent really the last formidable years of his life in, in, uh, courtrooms. And he, he was actually pretty silent most of the time and he was fiery. This is the same, same Brigham who pounded on his chest and said, had he been in Carthage, it wouldn't have happened that way and patted his chest where he always held a pistol. He's the, he's the guy that sat at the foot of the prophet as the prophet open stuff that we we don't even understand yet the stuff that we already have in the joseph smith papers like information that's already here and here he's saying that's just the beginning of what's about to come forward 
we but have, we know it all already, Greg. We should just stop <laughs> podcasting and sit and wait. Here's what I know for sure from experience. If you can get to a place where you can say, Lord, thy will be done. I don't understand it. That doesn't make sense. I don't get it. It doesn't seem like it's going to help anybody. In fact, it looks like it's going to hurt people. But this is what you're asking me to do. I'm going to move forward with faith. And then behold the hand of God as he delivers you. I promise you, I testify to you in the name of Jesus Christ, that if you will hold that kind of faith through the coming days and just do what he tells you to do, what's the next best thing? He will use you as an instrument in his hands to deliver people. But you have to be able to move forward with complete faith and confidence that this is his program, that you are his servant, his instrument, and he'll use you if you allow him to. And that he's not going to leave you comfortless in the middle of nowhere. That as you step out of the boat like Peter and start walking towards him on the water, he's going to drag you back out of the depths when you get scared by the, the swells. Jeffrey Holland says, hold fast to what you already know and stand strong until additional knowledge comes. You have more faith than you think you do. So that this principle of standing in your truth is becoming more and more something that, um, that I teach people in the mentoring programs. I so I, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to have to repent for my own actions but you should be journaling your spiritual experiences as they come to you journal how you felt what you were told what the circumstance was because we are in that period on the path moving to the tree of life where the mists of darkness are flowing over the the path and you have to be able to hold on to your personal revelation to that iron rod to what the prophet's telling you. And by journaling it and writing it, you can go back through those experiences and reread them and relive them and re-experience them to buoy you up and give you the strength that you need to keep going. Stand in your truth, what you've received for you from the Lord. That's going to be critical in the coming days because, gosh, there are so many voices right now. You go, you Google something on the internet point of doctrine or anything you're looking for you're going to have so many opinions that come up and if you start reading through those opinions you're going to be so confused by the time you get to the end of it so many people have come in a mentoring appointment and they're like tell me what you think about this and i'll be like well you tell me what you think about it first and they'll start to go off on all these different sources and how the opinions are different and how they're confused about what it is and Every time, all I do is try and take people back to his simple truths, to the basic truths of the gospel. And whatever that principle is, how does it connect you back to Christ? Because that's all that matters. And if it's a principle that doesn't connect you back to Christ, do you even need to understand it at this point? <laughs> so many times when we talk to people, I'm like, why are you pursuing that piece of knowledge? How is that helping you to become one with Christ, which is all you should be focused on as we move into a terrestrial world? 
like understanding who you are, why you're here, and what he needs you to do to help the prophet with his mission that he said is the most important thing you should be doing on the earth right now, which is gathering Israel. If you're studying and trying to understand something that doesn't help with that mission, check in with the Lord. Maybe it's time to set it aside and find something to pursue that's going to help you to fulfill the mission that you're here on the earth to do, which the living prophet has told you is to help gather Israel. That's the most important thing. And if it gets difficult, good. Joseph Smith said, perhaps I am meant to swim in deep water better deep than shallow. (laughs) He embraced opposition in his life after he embraced his mission. He didn't embrace his mission and then run away as soon as it got hard. He embraced it. He's like, let's do this. And if you're, if the depth, all the depth that we can muster is I one time tried to do something that was outside the box or in compliance with my mission. And then I got smacked for it by opposition. And then I quit. Well, I don't think that's going to be well with you in the eternal world. And I know and testify to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you're not aware of what you are by happenstance. You're not aware and wrestling with this same concept that Greg and I are talking about that we've wrestled with by happenstance. The reason you have this information and this knowledge and the Lord is pouring out blessings from heaven and distilling the mysteries of his godliness upon you like the dews from heaven is because you are supposed to participate in the beginning to be the first laborers in this last kingdom, as it says in Doctrine and Covenants, to bear off the kingdom, to finish Joseph's work. And nobody's cheering. I testify to you in the name of Jesus Christ that no one is cheering more than he is right now because we are set. The the stage is set. The players are at the table that are going to establish Zion never to be torn down again. And it's going to be us. It's going to come up from underneath, which is us. It's going to be established by us, by people who are fully aware of truth and stand in that truth and complete missions and do things that have never been done in the history of the earth. Amen to that. This is an exciting time to be on the earth. So many amazing things are already happening and so many more things to be restored shortly. Um, The Lord is active. Like this is the final inning and you need to choose. You need to choose whether you're going to stand in the gap and endure it well, or you're going to fall back and embrace the suck. That's literally the choice that you get to make right now. Because if you're listening to this, you already have light and knowledge. And now you got to choose what you're going to do with it. Gospel's true, brothers and sisters. We love you. We're so grateful to be a part of this work. Um grateful to stand in the gap and take the shots <laughs> so I got Greg's gonna like completely hang his head when I mention this but there's a there's a guy maybe I'll, I'll post this video it's a two-minute video his name's Jocko he's a retired Navy SEAL yeah I get a little fired up because he's he's a cut of my cloth the warrior cloth right but he has this thing where his troops would get annoyed with him because they would come to him with all kinds of problems and he'd just look at him and be like good so if you call Greg and I 
and you list off your problems, we're going to love you right through it, but expect us to just look at you and be like, good. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. What are you going to do with this? <laughs> you going to learn from it? You're going to, you're going to, uh, embrace it. Are you going to leverage that challenge and that difficulty for your growth? Or are you going to sit and whine and then curl up in a ball and suck your thumb? Yeah. <clears throat> Just to balance out the Jocko reference. Sorry. There was a certain person that went to the Lord and said that Satan's on the earth. And he is giving all kinds of false information. <laughs> and the father's response was, it is good. These things that we're going through are for our own growth and our own experience, and we get to decide what we're going to do with them. Are you in or are you out? And I promise you, all the difficulties you're going through right now, it is good. And if you can't see how it's good and you need some help because you're getting smashed, reach out. Yep. Jump on a mentoring call. Let us give you a second set of eyes that are looking at that problem, and maybe we can help you see how that trial or that thing that you're experiencing is for your good, is going to help you grow and fulfill your mission. God said it to Joseph in what we read at the very beginning. All of these things shall be for thy experience and for thy good. That's right. For good. He even used the word good again. Good. <laughs> see, say that. When stuff hits you and it's terrible and you're looking at your your battle line and you're the the hordes of the enemy are pouring over the hill and they're clashing with with you just look at the your battle buddy next to you and be like good this is good yep cuz that's why we're here this wasn't set up to be like namby pamby disneyland like we're supposed to be here like learning and it's exciting and every time something crazy happens i'm learning to greg called me the other day with kind of some disturbing news and challenges and at the beginning of what he was saying like i started to feel those feelings of fear and dread and oh no and i gotta fight these people and this thing and then i'm like no and literally just saying the word good out loud good like all those fears subsided and i was like this is good i love it it's exciting this is what we signed up for we're here mission's upon us hurrah yeah, unscabbard your sword. Let's do this. Make a choice. Make a choice. Gospel's true. We love you guys. God be with you till we meet again. Hoorah.